If you don't know me, my name is Shane Hamm. I'm one of the pastors here at North Point Church and so excited to be here at our online campus at North Point, excited to be speaking to you right now in your homes or wherever it is that you're at, excited that we're engaging together uh, in the ministry of worship and God's word as we celebrate Jesus together this morning. Before we begin, I just want to lead us in a prayer because as has been true uh, in many, many uh, months, Uh, here in our nation, uh, there has just been a lot of things that have sort of been hitting us back and forth. There are, there's violence, uh, rioting, there are tensions. Uh, Most of you, if you're watching the news, you know about the hurricanes and natural disasters that have hit people. Of course, stuff going on all over the world. And I just want to join, before we engage in the message this morning, I just want to lead us in a prayer. Because I want to say to you, you may be at home and you're struggling with worry, and you're struggling with fear, and you're struggling with just wondering, God, what's happening in our world? I just want to say to you, God is in control. God is sovereign. And more than that, God uses all things redemptively for his purposes. Now, you understand, we don't see all of that. We can't see behind the curtain of eternity. But we trust a God who is in full control. But he told us to pray. And so I just want to lead us as a church to pray for so many of the specific things that are going on, uh, that are continuing to go on. And as we pray for people, of course, with COVID, and let's just call on God together before we begin the message. Father, thank you for our church family. Thank you for those listeners that are listening. Uh, We know all over the country, all over the world, people tune in uh, to participate in what we're doing here. Lord, we pray together, united, just calling on you and asking you to calm people's hearts and and fears and that you would minister to people powerfully and potently. That God, that you would give people like never before a sense of your presence. Jesus, that you would help your followers to be salt and light. Lord, we understand that light shines when there's darkness. So help us to let our light really shine that we would be an example of who you are, even when things are tough. God, help us to trust you and not be given over to worry. Help us to be given over to being in your word and and to be people that choose faith and not fear. Father, give us a hunger for your word and to be in prayer like never before. Father, we do our battle on our knees, so guide us as we seek you and call on you, bowed before you, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, we have been in a series here at North Point that we've called Unchanging, talking about God's eternal purposes for you. And what we've really been talking about are what are the consistents or what are the constants, the things that God says will never change for his church in spite of what goes on in the world. What are the things that God says are lasting and true? These are the reasons that we exist, and you'll see them coming up on the screen here because these are the purposes that we say make the church healthy. And of course, where there's health, there's growth. But if you study the church and study the scripture, you'll see that anytime you see revival happening in the church, anytime that you see growth happening, anytime you see the spirit of God moving, you really do see these five things happening in the church corporately and in the lives of individuals. For example, we talked in week one about the purpose of worship, that we were made to worship God, that we are planned for God's pleasure. In week two, we talked about the purpose of fellowship, that God didn't just make us to be believers. He made us to be belongers to the church, belongers to what he calls the family of God. In fact, he says, when you become a believer, you're my child and you're a part of the family. And you're to take on my family likeness. And that leads us, of course, to discipleship. That is that we're becoming like Jesus. That we're not just believers that belong, but we're believers that belong and we start to become like who Jesus is. Disciples are followers. They're learners. And then, of course, as we learn to be like Jesus, we're given over to ministry because Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And so we start to realize that my life has been shaped to serve others and love others uniquely. And so see, this is how a, a Christian matures and grows and develops. That's what, that's what we're about. 
Now, today I want to talk to you about the purpose of evangelism. Now, evangelism is a big word. So, what is evangelism? Evangelism is simply communicating with people the news. It's telling people that there's something that's happened. In fact, uh, the Greek word for this idea is eangelion, and it's the idea that you're sharing good news. In fact, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the word gospel itself is eangelion. It's just saying there's news here. What is the news? The news is that Jesus who is the Christ or the deliverer or the savior of the world, that he came into the world and entered physically into human history at a specific point in time to show us what God is like and to teach us something of the rationale for life. In fact, one of the words for Jesus is a word logos. And logos is an ancient Greek word and they called him the logos. And well, what is logos? Logos is the rationale for life or the meaning for life. And so we proclaim the good news that Jesus came to teach us something, to show us something, and to do something for us. Well, what did Jesus do? Well, Jesus came and lived the life that we couldn't live, but that we aspire to. To teach us what it looked like to live a life that walks with God, that walks rightly and in righteousness. And then he died the death that we deserved. He didn't deserve to die that death. We did. Because we've all sinned and we fall short of that righteousness. And we don't walk with God as we should. But he died a death that we deserved to give us peace with God. So that we could know God. And then Jesus said to his learners, his followers, those disciples we talked about a minute ago. Look at what he said if you just look at this scripture. He says, go into the world, go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news, Evangelion, to one and all. Now, friends, listen to me. At North Point, that's our mission. This is what we're about around here. Telling people this good news and seeing them come to know Jesus and grow in his likeness. Now, today I'm especially excited because we have already said the newest addition to our pastoral team, Pastor Andrew is gonna be joining me, but I'm even more excited because it's not just Pastor Andrew, but his wife Alyssa is gonna come and she's gonna be teaching us as well. You're gonna find around here at North Point that they together make an incredible team when it comes to this purpose of evangelism. But before they come, I just want to read to you just a couple of texts here. If you'll notice Acts chapter 1, it says, On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with his disciples, this is one of his final moments, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but notice this. He says, wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Now, that is a reference to the Holy Spirit. And he said, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now friends, he's talking about an empowered change that's going to happen. In fact, this word baptism, it means to be immersed. It means to be fully consumed in something. And what he's saying is, you're going to be consumed by my spirit. Immersed in my spirit. And there's going to be a change that happens inside of you as a result. So when they met together, they asked him, well, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the father has set by his own authority, but watch this. Here's what you do need to know, he says. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then notice, that's going to cause something to happen. He says, you then will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after this, he was taken up right before their eyes and in a cloud and he was hidden from their sight. Now, this is what I would say about this text. This is an announcement this is a, it's a declaration. It's almost a preemptive instruction that, that Jesus is saying, as a result of my spirit being within you and you being immersed by that, you're going to be something. 
And because you're going to be something, you're going to do something. And he says, your, your life, you're going to begin to demonstrate or communicate that something unique has happened to you, that, that something has actually now been shown to you. And he says, the net return on that is that you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria. He says, all over the world, you're going to want to tell people about it. Now, friends... I will never forget when that happened to me. When I was just a young teenager and I invited Jesus to come into my life and I truly believed in what he did on the cross and God's spirit, I became immersed with God's spirit and empowered as he filled me. And I'll never forget walking on my high school campus just thinking, man, I just want to tell everybody about this. This hope that I have, this revelation that's been made known to me. Why? Because there's something empowering that takes place in your life. And Jesus is saying, because your being is going to change and you will become something, he says, you will start doing something. Why? Because listen to me, your heart actually becomes God's heart. And so before Andrew and Alyssa come, I just want to say, well, what is God's heart? I'll say these very quickly and then they're going to come and teach us. But let me say few things very, very quickly. If you just write these down, if you're taking notes, what is God's heart? Number one, God is a searching God. God is a searching God. In other words, God is looking for people. In fact, second Chronicles says that the Lord searches all the earth for people who have given themselves completely to him. And because God is searching for people, he wants you and I to be searching for people. In fact, friend, do you want to know the heart of God? Let me give you a glimpse into his heart. I'll read to you one more text here. It says one time that there were tax collectors and sinners and they were all gathering around to hear this Jesus, this deliverer, this savior of the world. It says, but the Pharisees, the religious and the teachers of the law muttered, well, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you have a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman who has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Why? Because God is a searching God. Now, and I want for you to notice, by the way, the context of these two parables that Jesus gives. You notice here, Jesus is responding to the conversations of religious people. He's not just giving a lecture on grace and law and sin. He's responding to religious people here because how easily the religious forget and he says, my heart is to dine with sinners. And it astounds religious people. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners. He actually eats with them. Now, let me just say this to you. Why is that significant? It's because in those days, in ancient times, when you were to invite somebody into your home and welcome someone and eat with them. See, today that's a hospitable thing to do. But back then... What you were saying is, I want to be in community with you. And the Pharisees are absolutely dumbfounded by this because they're wondering, how? How could you be in community with sinners? There's never been a faith community like that. I mean, think, they, they're thinking, what's a faith community after all? A, a faith community is based on the idea that you're obeying God's laws and you're doing what God has commanded. But these people, they're not doing that. So they can't be in the community. There's never been a faith community like that. And these religious are wondering, how could he do that? 
And Jesus tells these parables to illustrate a new kind of community that the world had never seen before. Why? Because God is a searching God. That's his heart. Now, it's for that reason that he's a searching God. If you just write this down, he's a sending God. By the way, isn't it amazing Jesus is saying, listen, I come from a community in heaven that I I know exactly how things go in heaven. He says, I come from a community in heaven that celebrates sinners saved by grace. By the way, in heaven, they don't celebrate people who aren't lost. They celebrate people who are lost, but they've been found. We celebrate sinners. In fact, one of the things I noticed in this parable, did you notice it? How often the word joy comes up? Look at how often it happens. Rejoice with me that I found my lost sheep. Rejoice with me that I found my lost coin. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner. He's saying, my joy is to go and find. So he says, I want you to be a people who go and search. In fact, Jesus says something interesting to his learners, his disciples. He says, look, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. See, he's saying, friends, I give you the power of the keys. Only you can open the door to other people and let them in. But I'm entrusting you with those keys. Which leads us to the third point. And Andrew and Alyssa are going to come. I've taken way too much of their time. They're going to come and they're going to teach us. That is this, number three. If you'd write this down. That the world is hurting and its only hope is Jesus. Andrew and Alyssa, come. Andrew. The world is hurting. That means you and I and the people right around us are hurting. And my hope, your only hope, their hope is Jesus. We're going to spend the rest of our time today talking about God's plan, his promise, and his power for mission. You could think of it as the who the what and the how of God's eternal purpose of mission. So let's start with the who. Who is God's plan for mission? The local church is God's plan for mission. That's your first fill-in. Grab a pen, write it down, soak that in. The local church is God's plan for mission. God could have created any plan he wanted for spreading his message of hope and reconciliation. But he chose us. He chose the church. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20 says it uh, this way. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Who's described in those verses? The church. It's a picture of the church. The local church is people living this out together. See, God has this incredible message. He's asking us to represent him as an ambassador, to share reconciliation to God. Shane touched on it in the beginning of our time together. God is a searching God who wants people brought back into relationship with him. That process is called reconciliation and he has trusted us with that message. He's committed to us as we read in that verse, the message of reconciliation. Another translation says he has entrusted us to the message of reconciliation. Here's a uh, picture of my family. Yes, uh, you'll meet my wife, Alyssa, later in the message. But take a sec and check out those beautiful kids. I, I think they're cute. I, I, I'm sure you think they're cute too. Thousand percent. What can I say? But I want to share you a story about my, my daughter. Our, our fierce daughter, Amaya, is four. And she loves being my messenger. I, I'll often call her over and say something like, Hey, Meme, I want to tell you a message. Can you go tell mommy? Whatever, whatever it might be. And in that moment, her face lights up. She radiates joy. 
and excitement. Why? Well, I just trusted her with a message. And it's that picture of Amaya's face when I'm first involving her in communicating a message that strikes me oh so deeply. Her passion, her excitement, her love, her appreciation, her attitude. I could go on. All of those things. That is what God is looking for from us. He's calling us over. He's whispering to us. He wants us to pass on his message, the most important message. And God loves it when our faces light up as we obey and sprint away to share the message of reconciliation. That's what God expects the church to be up to during these unique COVID times. See, COVID is not an excuse where we can stop being God's ambassador. It's not a time where we no longer need to carry on the message of reconciliation. Yes, we have to be prudent with distancing and follow guidelines. But please, socially connect, share the message I'm not a huge fan of the phrase that's written all over this country and the world of socially distance. Friends, let's socially connect as we physically distance. We shouldn't fear healthy connection. In these unique times, we should be more bold in sharing our faith, more bold in sharing the message than ever before. We need to continue to be Christ's Ambassadors. Remember, the local church is God's plan for mission. And in fact, in this series, this is what we've been talking about the entire time. Unchanging God's eternal purposes. So who's the church? It's ambassadors of his message, living out the eternal purposes, personally and corporately. How does scripture say it? Well, let's read Acts 2, 42 through 47. And I'll, and I'll read it for us. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What's another way to summarize the things listed in those verses? Worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, mission. Balancing those five things in your life in the church. See, friends, you are God's plan. The local church is God's big idea. It's where God designed people to be cared for, shown compassion, and ultimately be brought into relationship with him and his family, the church. Here at North Point, when we talk about missions, we talk about evangelism, we often talk about the peace plan. That's our strategy for addressing the big issues in our community, the biggest issues around the world. And what are the five things uh, that we do? We plant churches that promote reconciliation. We equip servant leaders. We assist the poor. We care for the sick. And we educate the next generation. But the main point of the peace plan is not if something fits under one of those Headers, or just making sure an action identifies with one of the five areas of the peace plan. The key to the peace plan is found in the who. It's who. Who is bringing the message of reconciliation through education, through poverty eradication programs, through leadership development. The peace plan equips and empowers regular people, ordinary people, ambassadors of the message serving together in the context of God's eternal purposes, the people of the church. This past week, I got to meet Katie. Maybe you've met her. She's a 
member here at North Point, and I asked her if I could share some of her story today. She helped start a ministry at the Peace Center called Enough. It's a type of trendy thrift shop for both people in our church and in our community to choose clothes for free. Let me read you a few of her own words that she sent to me. This is Katie speaking. I knew my passion was helping others with meeting a need. And shopping. I love shopping. I heard a sermon at North Point that said, we were the church, that the physical address is just a building. So if you want the church to do something, you be the church and do it. So I called North Point with my idea. I knew I wanted to serve. I knew I wanted it to be helpful. I knew I wanted to start a clothing shop. I knew I wanted it to be free. I also knew I didn't want to pay rent. So Tanya helped me make a plan, and in a few months, enough started. Of course, the idea of it not being good enough and me not being strong enough to lead a ministry went through my head. But then I reminded myself there would be no ministries if only perfect people could run them. I started just because I wanted to share the joy of hand-me-downs. I now know that enough is a tool God uses to teach me compassion, friendship, fellowship, how to give unconditionally, how to love others and not judge, how to slow down, how to correctly hang up pants, and how to serve Jesus one shirt at a time. That's Katie's story. She's just one example of a member of the local church being God's plan for mission here at North Point. Friends, that is exactly what the peace plan in action looks like. Followers of Jesus having a passion, seeing a problem, and working together so that the church can meet the needs of our community. As you're sitting in your living room and as you're thinking about what I'm saying, or maybe you're driving down the road, I don't know where you are, but what's your story? What idea has God given you? At the end of the message, I will give you an opportunity to respond. So be thinking about one problem where God has called you to be part of the solution. Remember, the local church is God's plan for mission. You and me, we are the local church. The folks described in 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20, ambassadors with a message living out God's eternal purposes, the same ones we read in Acts 2, 42 and 47. This past week, uh, Ronnie, Shane, and I connected over Zoom with two of North Point's good friends from India and Kenya. And even though North Point, we have partnered with both of them for over a decade, catch this, they had never met each other. So I would love for you to tune in to just part of our conversation with these friends. The technology isn't perfect. Uh, Goodness, we're talking from all over the world But take note of how these friends are living examples of the verses and principles we just talked about above as they take action in these unique COVID times. After you watch the video of our call, my wonderful wife, Alyssa, is going to come up and share the next point with you. Alyssa? This is Emmanuel, and Emmanuel, this is Dottie, and we have a great relationship with both of you. Uh, men for many years, so it's cool that we can all come together and talk. Hello, Pastor Dodi. Hi, Pastor Emmanuel. How are you? Hey, Matt. I'm doing well, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a great opportunity. Today it is a great opportunity to meet online. Um, yeah, and I'm so excited to be talking to the both of you, my my two brothers from other mothers. Yeah. Uh, Emmanuel and Daddy, I would love to hear from you. How is yeah. COVID-19, this virus, impacting uh, first uh, your personal life and then the the life of the community? What is the impact right now? Uh, Initially, when the pandemic hit, uh, uh, people became very uh, clever in terms of getting uh, homemade masks. Um, We have challenges in terms of water. And thank God, uh, the North Point Community Chart had... um, donated to give us to do a drill at the Kilgoris uh, Business Center. And that water was and still continues to be a blessing to um, all the residents of Kilgoris. I I wish I would have taken pictures. You would see 
people piling up with jerrycans and coming to pick water from the business center. So it's become like a life-saving um, during these uh, harsh times that we are going through. You know, Andrew, in India, 1.2 billion people are in here, but only 0.4% are Christians, 0.4, 1.2 billion. So harvest is full, so many harvest, but farmer is very few. And that's the most important because we are the pastor. We are working our community. In that community is the total surrounding all the, in, in between the one church, North Point Church, and all surrounding is the, our believers and also the Hindu people are there. So they don't know God. They knows our, they knows to us. They knows the Christian people is a good. So this is the time to, uh, we share the gospel together. We have that power to win this battle and to make our community a better place for living. And Amen. all we together, first Amen. we need the prayer, second we need the prayer, third is we need the prayer. Amen. Amen. What an awesome video from our friends, Emmanuel and Pastor Dottie. I know it's an encouragement to me to hear from people around the world. I hope it was an encouragement to you. I loved hearing Pastor Dottie talk about how his church was surrounded by people who didn't know the hope of Jesus and that it was the job of the church, especially in these COVID times, that it was the job of the church to take that message to, to them. Andrew's been talking about it and Pastor Dottie mentioned that on the video and scripture tells us so clearly that the local church is God's plan for mission. But scripture is also clear that without God's promise for mission, we can't complete his plan. So this is the next point on your outline if you're taking notes. The Holy Spirit is God's promise for mission. The Holy Spirit is God's promise for mission. When I was preparing to, to share with you guys today, God gave me this phrase, the Holy Spirit is God's promise for mission. And then it was kind of silent and I was waiting for him. Okay, what else do you want me to say about this? What does your church need to hear? And I heard him say, tell your story. And I kind of said back to God, well, no, that's not really what I was looking for. I wanted some nice sounding articulate words. I don't feel like my story is compelling. So God, I'll just keep waiting for you. Give me some other words to share. And God reminded me and impressed again, tell your story. And so God wins today. You'll get to hear a little part of my story. It's always good when you're in an argument with God and he's the one who wins. Um, so you will get to hear just a portion of my story. And I'm hoping that that can help show you today what it means for the Holy Spirit to be God's promise for mission. You see, I, I have known God and have loved him and cared about his church and even spreading his message of reconciliation for almost all of my life since I was a very young child. The promises of God have been taught over me, sung over me, they've been prayed over me from before I was born and throughout my entire life. My entire family are pastors, it feels like. My dad's a pastor, my uncles are pastors, my brother's a pastor, I've married a pastor. I've grown up in the church and it has been a blessing and something that I have loved doing, following Jesus wholeheartedly for my whole life. But as I continued to grow and um, grow in my faith, I also lost something. And what I lost was this childlike joy of following Jesus. What I lost was that natural peace and joy that is contagious. And that joy was replaced with cynicism and a pressure to achieve and honestly forced smiles that were, that were hiding a burdened spirit. My spirit was burdened, but I was walking around smiling, trying to carry the message of Jesus. If I was listening to this sermon and, and I heard somebody say, okay, the Holy Spirit is God's promise for mission, I would have thought, great, got it, received, move on to the next point to whatever it is I need to do, whatever it is that I need to change in my life. For so many years, I missed the main point, and I don't want you to miss the main point today. The promise of the Holy Spirit changes everything. The promise of the Holy Spirit changes everything. Why? Because it's God's presence going with us. And God's presence is what we need for mission. Notice what Shane read earlier in Acts 1-4. I'm going to return to that same verse. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. 
Jesus said the Holy Spirit is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a promise from the Father. And so wait for that promise before you go on and carry on my message. Why? Because again, God's promise is his presence with us through the Holy Spirit. You remember the story that Andrew told just a few minutes ago about our kids running back and forth, Amaya and Gabe carrying messages from us to other people. And it's almost like that when I was a child, I had that same natural joy. I would run around and carry God's message and run back to him, just like Andrew uh, described with Amaya and Gabe. But as I gained natural independence from my parents, I mimicked that independence with God. I knew his message I knew what was right. And so I heard the message from him and then I just started sprinting off on my own, running, trying to share his story, doing the right things. But what I was forgetting was to run back and to jump into his lap, to look into his face, to receive the message again, and then to go back out with his presence. It's the presence of God that gives us that radiant joy It's our dependence on the Holy Spirit that gives us that peace and that attractive spirit that people are waiting to hear about the hope of Christ. Maybe that picture that I'm talking about of jumping into God's lap and looking him in the face, maybe that makes you feel uncomfortable. Maybe it sounds comforting, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe it sounds like that's not something I wanna do. I'm independent from everyone else and I wanna just live my life, do what God tells me to, but I wanna live it on my own. And I just want to tell you today, I can promise you that it is the dependence on the Holy Spirit that will give you the the joy and the hope and the peace and the ability to share his message like we try and do way too often on our own power. Look at what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit on the next verse on your outline. John 14, 25 to 26 says this, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. The disciples were with Jesus. They were actually in his presence. And even to them, Jesus says, don't go running off trying to remember what it was like to be in my presence. Don't go running off trying to remember all the things that I've taught you. Wait for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Recently, I read something that really helped me picture this promise of the Holy Spirit. And it also reminded me of a story of our son, Gabe. It was recently his birthday. And in our house for Amaya and Gabe's birthday, the most important part of the birthday is balloony. And balloony is not just any normal balloon. It's a slightly overfilled helium balloon, always purchased from the dollar store. They've got great balloons. Just a little tip there for you. It's a helium balloon that they love playing with for months afterwards. Well, this last birthday, we were actually at my parents' house, and I, I failed to inform my parents of the importance of ballooning. And so Gabe woke up on his birthday, and he came down to a wonderfully decorated house. And there were lots of normal air-filled balloons all over the house. And Gabe picked up the balloons and hit it up, and it fell right back down again. And he hit it up, and it fell right back down again. And he looks up with his beautiful three-year-old eyes and says, what's wrong with ballooning? Why won't it stay up in the air? And that picture to me of a balloon that has been filled with our own air is a picture to me of what it looks like when we try and live our life on our own power and not by the power and the presence and the promise of the Holy Spirit. You, you, you hit, hit it up for a moment. You know, you come to church and you hear something great and you feel hit up for a moment and then you just fall right back down again. Your friend sends you a verse by text and you're kind of hit up for a moment and then you just fall right back down again because it's not our power. But the Holy Spirit is like that helium-filled balloon that soars high naturally. And that when you try and knock it down, it pops right back up again. It's the opposite. Do you see that? So living by the power and with the presence of the Holy Spirit gives us that natural soaring feeling. It's this joy and peace of God's presence that creates natural interest and questions from people around us who don't know Christ. With the promise of the Holy Spirit, we're carrying not just the words of God's message, but his actual presence. And I realize that may sound like great in theory, but it feels hard to apply practically. Maybe you're not quite sure what I'm talking about. If you wanna join us in a further conversation about this, because we don't have time to go all into it today, we would love for you to join us at our missions workshop. It's going to be next Thursday, September 10th in person. 
at 7 p.m. Or if you prefer not to join in person, then we'll host the same workshop by Zoom on September 15th, also at 7 p.m. God is sending you and I, his church, to share hope with people we interact with every day and the people around the world who have never heard the name of Jesus, both the people who we interact with every day and the people around the world. The promise of the Holy Spirit gives us the ability and the authority to join in the mission of God. And now Andrew is gonna come talk to you about how God gives us consistent power for mission. Thank you, Alyssa. We could almost end right there. That was so convicting and so encouraging. Do you have your pen ready? Are you ready for the next fill-in? Consistent prayer is God's power for mission. Let me say that one more time. Consistent prayer is God's power for mission. Every movement of God that I've seen or, or read about, having been to many corners of the globe, was started and covered and built on a foundation of consistent prayer. I'm reminded of a pastor who I met and served with in Eurasia. Uh, this, This guy hadn't seen a single person come to know Christ in his particular area after more than five years of work and service and ministry. But during that time, he was also encouraging many believers around the world to Lift them up in prayer. And after five years, out of what seemed like nowhere, hundreds of people from villages in that area started to profess faith in Jesus. It's a miracle built on consistent prayer. So right there where you are right now, let's read 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. So next time that you're asking God, how can I live on mission in a deeper way? Start with these things. Rejoice always, Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. Maybe you, like me, in the past have asked, well, how do, I, how, do I, how do I start doing that? I'd encourage you, just start with a conversation with God. Because the more we talk to God, the more we naturally care about the things that he cares about. Now, if you're, you're married you know exactly what I mean by that. Because the more you uh, are naturally care about the things that your significant other cares about, whether, whether you like it or not, as time goes on, that just happens. So here's a fun Andrew and Alyssa story. When we were just starting to date, we were driving on five freeway, and we just passed this truck. Now, we had been in a deep conversation, but when we passed this truck, this was a unique truck. It was a lifted dually that had fenders in the the back like I had never seen before. So obviously, I had to pause our conversation and say, hey, hey, Alyssa, check out that dually with a weird fender. Now, Alyssa then was quite annoyed. Why would I pause our conversation to bring attention to this random truck? Well, I like trucks. Diesel trucks, Duramax, some nice lifted Fords, right? I I enjoy looking at different vehicles overlanding as a sweet, sweet hobby of mine. So now after eight years of marriage and a decade of vehicles down the road, I want to tell you something that's happened. Alyssa, now we'll pause our conversations to point out something that she sees 
rolling down the road. Unbelievable. So that might seem like a really silly illustration, but that's what happens with prayer and God. You see, the more we talk to God, the more we take on God's heart. The more we are in connection and communion with him. That in turn gives us more areas where we can take action that's tied to the heart of God. Matthew 9, 35 and 38 has been an awesome verse in my life and it reminds me of the importance of this kind of action. You see, Dottie mentioned it earlier in, in our video call, both the importance of the laborers and the significance of prayer. Let me read this for you. The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. The harvest is abundant. Workers are few. Therefore, underline it in your notes and circle it. An underline and a circle. Therefore, pray. Jesus had been doing so many miracles and people were responding, finding hope and following him. His response to that was not to tell his disciples to work harder or create a better strategy to try and figure out how could they share with more people. His response was to tell the disciples to pray. In the church world and maybe in missions in particular, there's these extremes these extremes. Some people who act like praying is a waste of time and we need to just get out there on the field, take action, and maybe pray some. Or others who see the only purpose their life is prayer and they lock themselves in a room and just pray. See, both of these extremes are missing an important truth and this is your next fill-in prayer that's rooted in Christ results in action. An action that's rooted in Christ results in prayer. Prayer that's rooted in Christ results in action. An action that's rooted in Christ results in prayer. It's like we've been talking about this entire message. Prayer gives us the power for mission because it connects us to God and leads us to obedience. There's something in your life and someone in your life you've been praying for but never took a step to actually share, I challenge you to make sure that listening to God and responding in obedience is part of your prayer life. As we pray, God consistently leads us into action. And the opposite is also true. As we are living out our lives in obedience to God by taking action, this will lead us deeper into prayer for the people and circumstances around us. It's not either or, it is both and so today, that's what I'd like to challenge you to do. I want you to think about how you can pray specifically for one person, one problem, and one place. While we talk about this, there are going to be two ways to respond. So right now, where you are, take out your phone. I give you permission. Maybe you're on your computer or you have a tablet. There's two ways to respond. First, you can text 58. One, two, four, and you can, in that text, respond with mission. That's 58124, mission. You can text if you're a texter, or if you're on your computer, you can go to northpoint.org slash mission. And both of those places take you to the same thing, and that's a place to respond to what I'm talking about. So as you go there now, I'm going to keep talking about what these things actually mean. As a church and as a pastoral team, we want to support you. In this, in this journey of praying for these three things. And if the local church is God's plan for mission, the Holy Spirit is God's promise for mission, consistent prayer is God's power for mission, I want to help jumpstart you on that journey today. The pastors at North Point want to pray for you, and we will pray for you by name. I, I commit to you to do that as you take this next step. So while you're filling this out, Hopefully you've logged in now and you're getting ready to put in one person, one problem in one place. What, what kind of person should you put down? 
Who is one person in your life that's hurting and doesn't know the hope of Jesus? Write down their name. Make a commitment to God that you will start praying for this person consistently. One problem, what's one problem you see in our community or around the world that grips your heart and you'll start praying about it today? Maybe it's people's attitude on social media or parents who don't have a way to care for their kids with school being online. Or some of the giants that peace addresses that we talked about earlier in the message, a lack of reconciliation with God and others, poor leadership, poverty, illness, education. As a part of the local church here, God will want to use you to meet the needs and problems of our community. So what's one word that represents a problem that's been bothering you? Write, write it down. Type it in. In one place. What's one place, either in our nation or somewhere around the world, that God has placed on your heart? Maybe when hearing about North Point's involvement in India or Kenya, you, or you've heard about what's going on in Barbuda, uh, your interest was perked. Maybe there's a place where North Point has never been and as a church, but you have always cared about it. Write that down. Type it in. This is where I want to start together as a church in the purpose of mission. Writing down our personal convictions to these three things and praying for them together. So as I get to the end of this message, if you're watching and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You hear what we're talking about and, and, and you're, you're interested and you want to know more. Well, there's someone who wants to talk to you about that. You can jump on the, the chat or you can text 58124 and just text today, today to find out more about how you can cross the line, how you can come to know faith in Jesus Christ and join his eternal family.